What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. So we have a lot, a lot on our plate. We will go through, you know, the big things. So yesterday, there was a report that came out that MLB proposed a system where they would replace the arbitration process. You know, arbitration is where eligible players get to get pay raises, basically. And they would replace that with salaries that are strictly based off of players wins above replacement their war totals their fan graphs war totals so it would be yeah it would be a formula that emphasizes player time sorry uh, player service time and your career war and then that would set your salary I, I mean there's absolutely no chance this proposal sees the light of day from the MLB players association I mean, it's a very radical restructuring of the game's economic system. I mean, among other things, it didn't just do that. It would grant players free agency at 29 and a half, as a age 29 and a half, regardless of how long they've been in the MLB, as opposed to after six years of service time. I mean, that could definitely work in favor of, for a lot of players, but it could work against some players. There are players like right now, Corey, uh, not Corey Seager. Well, yeah, Corey Seager's under 29 and a half, but Carlos Correa comes to mind. He's 27 years old and he's a free agent because he came up to the big leagues at a young age. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, they were 26 when they were free agents. So, I mean, once in a while, there are going to be these really good players who came up at a young age who can hit free agency at, you know, 26, 27. So that would work against them. Of course, they are the exception. Um, that's not the norm, but nonetheless, the league proposed this to MLB Players Association, and it, it's not—it's not gonna fly. It's not gonna fly, um, simply because wins above replacement is not. I mean, it's sure it, it's it's a great metric, but it's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect at all. Um, I mean, it's challenging for some positions, like relievers, for example. I mean. Right now, if you look at the free agent market and the arbitration market as well, bullpen arms are valuable and they're va valued more highly than a war total would would indicate. And also, you have advanced defensive metrics, which is a very key component of a war calculation. Those can be unstable on a yearly basis. So over the long run, those metrics tend to align with a player's defensive ability, but year to year, I mean, if you're trying to fix somebody's salary on a single season of defensive metrics by war, that's not optimal. That's that's not optimal at all. And war also makes imprecise adjustments for different parks, which could also, I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, they have park factors, but it's not perfect. Um, and war metrics differ on how to separate a pitcher's contributions from that of his defense. Uh, I mean, fan graphs, I mean, they use FIP, Fielder Independent Pitching. They basically evaluate pitchers based on their strikeout, walk, and home run rate rates. But that takes away the ball in play, but it definitely creates some odd results. For example, if you look at someone like Aaron Nola, he threw 180 and two-thirds innings with a 4.63 ERA, but his FIP was a 3.37. And that gave him a higher Fangraphs war this year than Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray might be the Cy Young in the American League 
Robbie Ray threw 193 in the third innings with a 2.84 ERA, almost two runs lower in the ERA, but his FIP was 3.69, just a little higher than Aaron Nola. So, I mean, this is not an indictment of wins above replacement or fan graphs, but it just shows you it's it's a it's not a flawless system. It's not a flawless system. Um, I guess you could make the argument that it's the best we have, but I don't know. I mean, according to fan graphs, Aaron Nola was a better pitcher than Robbie Ray this year. I, I don't know if you could really make that argument if you look at the total body of work, but it's definitely one of those things to keep in mind. We'll see what happens, but you know, I think this proposal is dead on arrival. It's it's an interesting idea, though. Interesting idea. In other news, long time, well, I don't want to say long time, but, you know, established left-handed pitcher Brett Cecil has called it a career. Brett Cecil, he went on Instagram this week and announced his retirement from baseball. He's 35, hasn't pitched in the major since 2018, but that's not because he didn't try. I mean, injuries just completely derailed the end of his career. He signed a four-year deal with the Cardinals in the 2016-17 offseason. He had a solid first year in St. Louis, and then injuries just completely stopped him. I mean, shoulder strain, got him on the injured list after his first appearance of 2018. Then, you know, he spent another month with a foot strain. In 2019, he had surgery. 2020, he never got off the ground. He had a significant hamstring strain in spring training, and then the league shut down due to the pandemic. He came back to the mound trying to do a new sidearm delivery for, for the new abbreviated season when teams had summer camp, but then the Cardinals cut him right before opening day. And then you know, that would have been the final year of that four-year, $30.5 million contract. He didn't sign with any team for 2021. So he hung him up. I mean, his run in St. Louis didn't go as hoped, but if you go back to when he was in Toronto, he enjoyed some very quality results up there. I mean, he had a bit of success as a starter in Toronto, but his his best years really came as a reliever. From 2013 to 2016, he pitched to a 2.90 ERA, and his his you know ground ball strikeout walk rates were all stellar. And you know, as a classic lefty, you know he was more effective against left-handers than right-handers, but he more than held righties in check, actually. So great four-year run there. And then even his first season in St. Louis at 3.88 ERA. He was good. Really good. So he's going to retire from baseball with parts of 10 seasons in the major leagues. During that time, he went 44-47 and 47 with a 4.29 ERA, 12 saves, 67 holds in 756 innings. But he's going to you know, go out as one of the better left-handed relievers for that stretch when he was doing so with Toronto. So hats off to Brett Cecil as he moves on to his next chapter. In other news, the Giants have signed Gabe Kapler to a contract extension. So they're tacking on an additional two years. His original deal ran through the end of next year. So through the end of 2024 is where he's going to go. I mean, he's coming off perhaps the most successful season in franchise history, 107 wins for the Giants. So he wasn't going anywhere, wasn't going anywhere whatsoever. The Giants are, are are in great hands right now. I mean, obviously, it's not just Gabe Kapler. He's just one piece of the puzzle. You have to talk about the players they have and everything else. But 
and their front office making great moves. But you know, it's one of those situations where they say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's exactly what we're seeing with the San Francisco Giants. So it was a very good year in San Francisco. Of course, they lost to the Dodgers in the NLDS, but they'll look to turn the page and build off that momentum where they had a really a much better than expected season in 2021. They'll take that into 2022. They'll probably go out and you know probably sign some key players this offseason because now they know they can compete. So this winter's free agency is probably going to be different than most. It's probably going to be different than most because in just a few weeks, on December 1st, 11.59 p.m. on December 1st, the current collective bargaining agreement expires and there there is a lot of talk about there being a potential a lockout there's talk about a lockout this winter so because of the uncertainty on what changes will be made to economic aspects of major league baseball you know talking about luxury tax arbitration you know potentially a salary floor all this speculation nobody really knows what's going to happen in a month or so so it's possible we see some free agents sign here in the next two and a half weeks before that deadline because they they might want to get ahead of it and just you know take the system the way it is now rather than gambling on what could be in the future and all that uncertainty if you know you could get you know your your Marcus Semyon Corey Seager you you can get some really good money right now you might just do that and then not have to worry and stress about your offseason so there are reports coming out of the GM meetings in California, that that could be happening, particularly with those two guys I just mentioned, Seager and Semyon, and a few prominent starting pitchers. These guys could come off the board while the current CBA is still in play. So, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. I mean, I expect we'll probably see Carlos Correa sign later because he wants to see what Seager and Semyon sign for. You know, these guys, you know, because obviously Carlos is going to, try to sign for more. So he's going to let them set the market. And then, you know, of course, Carlos Correa is looking for 300 million plus. He's going to use that as leverage for his deal. Obviously, there's no guarantee that Seager or Semyon will sign before December 1st. But it just makes a lot of sense for not just them, you know, a lot of other guys to to secure the bag before, you know, a potential lockout. No one knows what's going to happen after December 1st. So there's that. So, a lot going on, but you know that's what we will cover for today. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who'd be interested, and we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.